Hey there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is I Will Fight You, a podcast where we've been turning opinion into stone-cold facts since 1986. Today's fact, everyone makes Mary Sue's. I made Mary Sue's. You made Mary Sue's. George Lucas made Mary Sue's. Now, uh, when I brought up this topic with my mother, her immediate reaction was, what the hell is a Mary Sue? How did you sit down and explain this to your mom? A Mary Sue is a character most commonly written by teenage girls, but not exclusively so. Defining traits of a Mary Sue are a lack of believable flaws, a somewhat non-canon compliant appearance, a tendency to have uh, romantic relationships with one or multiple main canon characters, and the power to warp the entire narrative to focus around themselves. That's a pretty good definition. That's pretty much all-encompassing. Mary Sue, why we call them a Mary Sue is actually related to Star Trek. Kit gets to talk about Star Trek again. In Star Trek fan fiction, uh, which was one of the earliest fan fiction fandoms of the 20th century, although not the world, obviously, since Sherlock Holmes exists. But at least fandom as we currently define it was its earliest form was Star Trek. In the fan fiction of the era, it became somewhat epidemic for fan fiction writers to write in an ensign blank who was uh, beloved by the entire crew and romanced Kirk or Spock or Chekhov or whoever, and, and had the entire story focus on themselves. It got to the point where one writer satirized this with a character named Ensign Mary Sue. Who I think was like an 18-year-old half-Vulcan or something. Yeah, who wore fishnets with her uniform. Yeah, that's the one. It's beautiful. So that's where Mary Sue's started. And Mary Sue is a term that I feel is fairly neutral between the sex or gender of the protagonist in question. You'll sometimes hear Gary Sue being banded about, but that's kind of fallen off the wayside, and that's probably something we'll get into a little bit later. Mary Sue's tend to originate in fan fiction and fan art mostly. Though they definitely don't stay there. A lot of times they're baby's first original character when you're first sort of figuring out how to make a character in fiction. Oftentimes people use fan fiction to sort of learn the ropes. And a lot of times too, whenever you're starting to learn the ropes, you don't really understand the use for character flaws and things like that. You might go out of your way to make your character better because obviously that makes your character more interesting and more fun. Self-inserts and Mary Sue's are a very much overlapping Venn diagram, but they are not exactly the same thing. Your self-insert can be a Mary Sue, but it's not necessarily true. The inverse isn't necessarily true either. My favorite example of a Mary Sue is Annaby, Darkness, Dementia, Raven, Way. Oh god, we're talking about My Immortal, I guess. My Immortal. This is My Immortal. It was a Harry Potter fan fiction, famed because the main character was such a textbook example of sort of a Mary Sue and what those characters tend to do to a very loose interpretation of canon. She was a goth vampire who really liked My Chemical Romance and Draco Malfoy. And also, Harry Potter world got real freaking goth. Harry Potter changed his name to Vampire Potter. Hermione changed her name to Bloody Mary. There, there's an apostrophe there. I don't know what to do with it besides say Bloody. Uh, it's got two, not one, My Chemical Romance concerts in Hogsmeade, where Gerard Weiss shows up and where Inaby really wants to bang him, despite the fact that she is apparently his cousin. 
She's also the most important character because she has to kill Vampire Potter uh, with a gun that Voldemort gives her. Otherwise, he'll kill Draco Malfoy. That's one of the plots that sort of gets tossed by the wayside. At some point, she also has to go back in time to stop Tom Riddle from becoming Voldemort, I think. I do remember that, so I think so, yeah. There's a whole separate discussion for whether or not most of My Immortal is legitimate, but uh, that's that's a different podcast. By legitimate, we mean actually written by a sincere teenage girl instead of somebody satirizing this kind of thing. One of the running theories is that she got a couple of chapters in, gave up because of negative reviews, then someone hacked her account and kept writing it. One of the other prime examples of a Mary Sue that comes to mind is one that I saw from afar in my DeviantArt days. This was a person who made an original character who was kind of like Kingdom Hearts and that she had a magic sword which could save the entire Disney world and went through all Disney movies. And also Donald and Goofy were her best friends. But also she made out with uh, Long John Silver from Treasure Planet a whole lot. Really? That's not the sexy Long John Silver. That's correct. It's not. It's not even remotely Tim Curry. At some point, people started being like, what's up with your character? She's too perfect. She's a Mary Sue. What's up with this? And then she said, well, no, no, my character's not a Mary Sue. She has flaws. See, she's clumsy. That seems to be the defining Mary Sue flaw is clumsiness. If you can't think of a fault for your female character, whom everyone loves for no good reason, she falls down a lot. This one time in a uh, writing class that Annie and I were in, there was this girl she had this character who was perfect, who everybody loved. And when I pointed this out to her, she just stared at me aghast and said, but she's not perfect. She's fat. Oh, well then. And I just slammed my hands down and said, what? Anyway, we felt that it would be dishonest to goof on Mary Sue's without also revealing that having been teenage girls, we also made Mary Sue's. I've talked about mine a few times and I will happily talk about her again. So I think Annie should go first. Okay, this is Ezra. She looked a lot like how I thought cool people looked like, but also me uh, when I was a tween. So she had a long trench coat and fingerless gloves and bicycle boots. And like a crop top, I don't know why I thought this was a good look, but here it was. Ezra started out as a Digimon original character. She was a special Digidesin with a golden Digivice. And also Wizardmon was her partner for a little while because I liked Wizardmon a lot. And then she got her own Digimon who evolved into several dragons. And also she dated Matt because Matt was cool. And I didn't like Zero Two where he dated Sora. And also it turned out that she had a new different kind of Digivolving, which involved like basically a level beyond Mega, but only she and Ty's Digimon and Matt's Digimon could do it. And they were all so special and unique. And then basically what I did as a kid was I just sort of used that character who was also kind of my online handle combined with that. And she just sort of became a default template for a lot of different things. It was basically like fucking Quantum Leap, but with different fandoms that I wanted to be in. Crisis on Infinite AUs, I guess. Yes, exactly. Also, she could turn into a big golden dragon and her Digimon could also evolve into a dragon because I was a little girl and I 
fucking love dragons. And also I read a whole lot of Dragonlance. I wrote a whole separate thing that was my sequel to the Dragonlance books about draconians when they found female draconians. I could go on at length about that one. She was a dragon person who could also turn into some kind of dragon centaur. But Ezra was my primary one, and I loved her. And sometimes I'll draw her and marvel at my design choices. Listeners, you're going to very quickly notice a theme here. Because my Bionicle OC was named Makya, and she was a Toa with dragon legs, a dragon tail, and dragon wings, and claws. And she had, like, berserker rage, and she could shapeshift into a dragon, and she had a lesbian dragon girlfriend. I had a lesbian dragon Toa. So when you were imagining this, were you also doing them as, like, Lego people? I was trying, but I honestly did not have the pieces nor the mechanical aptitude to make them work. Okay. It was mostly just me drawing fan art and writing fan fiction about them. This feels so good. This feels so good to talk about. So yeah, you may have noticed dragons. The theme continues. I talked about her in our Pern Yuffie episode, but Sally Anna, writer of Green Gwyneth. She's a dragon writer, you see. She also had a fire lizard who is a mini dragon, and she always wanted to be a dragon writer, and all of her friends rode dragons, and she talked constantly to dragons, and in one universe, she had the power, hear all dragons, so she could talk to all dragons anyway. But I couldn't do that in the roleplay game because that was a really highly restricted power that no one was allowed to have. Because Anne McCaffrey said so. So... Sallyanna was super tall and she had beautiful red hair, but she dyed it so she could hide and pretend to be a boy because she didn't want anybody to realize she was a girl. And uh, she was from a family of sea crafters and she was the only weird one who became a harper who is basically like a singer. So basically she was a wannabe rock star before she became a dragon rider. Her family only had boys for the past three generations. She was the first girl, so she was super special. And I regularly described her eyes as aqueous orbs, and I kind of hate myself a little bit for that. And she once traveled through time and something happened. I can't remember what. And she had a dopey cousin who was constantly trying to follow her around and and help her. And she was totally perfect in every way, except for one time she, like, was kind of mean to somebody, sort of, but they kind of deserved it, you know? Obviously. Obviously. You couldn't be mad at Sally Anna. I feel really good getting this off my chest, guys. I'm enjoying the bonding that's happening here. You might have noticed the theme of dragons. Yeah, I was talking to Annie the other day about I don't understand why the Pete's Dragon remake doesn't star a young girl. Little girls fing love dragons. Completely untapped market. Big green forest dragon with friendly eyes, and you live all alone with them in the forest, and he's your protector and best friend. Come on! That should be a little girl. You don't even have to change the name. Pete can be like a cute nickname for a little girl. This is so obvious. Look, if you're junking the whole plot about hillbillies who live in the swamp and also have a song called We Have a Deed That Says Right Here We Own That Boy, I feel like if you're junking that, you can do a lot of other things too. So it's not just us that makes Mary Sue's because the thesis of our episode is that everyone makes Mary Sue's and we mean everyone. You'll have a lot of people that use Mary Sue's as stepping stones, sort of when they're first making their character or when they're working out something that they really wish would happen, so they make it happen for their own character. Uh, See my character having a super cool boyfriend and also being very pretty and looking kind of like me. And my character being a lesbian dragon, so there's all my hopes and dreams right there. Honestly, I should have figured out I was gay way earlier. 
sort of first tries to build a character or just to have fun and make something that's total wish fulfillment. Some people make Mary Sue's knowing that they're not going to be an actually well-rounded character and that's totally fine. Some people aren't totally as aware of that. Sometimes you just learn how to make a character and learn how to give them flaws and move on and develop other characters. Sometimes you just don't move on at all and you keep talking about your Mary Sue all the time and don't seem aware at all that they're perfect. Looking directly at you, Orson Scott Card. I know I've talked about this before, but Ender's Game is a novel about a little boy who's a genius and who's a third child in a society that bans third children because his parents were such geniuses they wanted to make sure that these parents had a genius baby. But he's so smart that he's so misunderstood at school, so they bully him because they're all jealous. And then the military comes and recruits him into a special video game school to fight aliens. Only he's too good at fighting aliens and accidentally commits genocide, but it's not really his fault. It's all the grown-ups' fault and, like... It's weirdly Hitlerish. There was an episode of Power Rangers Turbo I watched recently where Justin is the Blue Ranger. He's a special little 12-year-old boy who's so smart that he is now in high school. And he's so good at karate that he's a Power Ranger, despite all the rest of them being teenagers. There's this episode where he builds a soapbox derby car and the other kid is like a bully and mean and clearly rich and made a really good car. And then through a series of stupid things in Power Rangers, he eventually saves this kid's life, sort of. And then the kid is pulls off his helmet and he's like, Justin, I'm sorry I was so mean to you. I guess I was just jealous because you're smarter than me. Let's be friends. You can teach me how to make a better soapbox derby car. I bet you're really good at building them. And uh, there's also Patrick Rothfuss's books, The Name of the Wind. The Name of the Wind is based Basically, how Mary Sue got his groove back. Really? That's how my boss described it, yeah. I read a lot of the Sword of Truth books before I figured out that I hated them. The main character is a man named Richard. He is the very special person who can wield the Sword of Truth and is some kind of wizard, I think, who is very, very good at being magic and being better than the people around him. And he's so beautiful and pure and handsome that women throw themselves at him constantly. He was able to raise a monster that everybody thought was completely unredeemable, and he named it Gratch, and Gratch loved Ratcharg. And also one time he was kidnapped and taken to the communism country, uh, which wants to take over the country from the first book. And it also turns out the communism country is about like 800 times the size of the first book country. So I don't know how that happens. But he gets kidnapped and he finally says, no, don't throw yourself at me. My heart belongs to another. And also while he's there, he builds a statue that's so good and beautiful and pure that anyone who sees it isn't a communist anymore. You may notice something in common about all of these generally accepted Mary Sues, which is that they're dudes. Yeah, this is this is a weird thing about Mary Sues. And this happens a lot in a lot of fandom as well. If someone who is female puts a character in something that is a little silly and overblown, she's usually ridiculed for doing so, saying that, well, this character's awful. Look at these stupid women. Versus if a man does it, then it tends to be a perfectly acceptable character. People tend to be like, oh, he's great. I love this character. Yeah, case in point, 
Luke Skywalker versus Rey. They are the same character. One of those gets called a Mary Sue. Guess which one? In fact, Rey is actually given more plausible reasons for being a really good pilot. But that's an interesting thing about female characters versus male characters. Female characters have to prove their competency. It can't be assumed that they're good at something from the start. They have to have a justification for being good at the thing. Whereas male characters can generally just be like, oh yeah, I'm good at the thing, and everyone accepts it. It's like somehow that's more acceptable because it's a power fantasy. Which, everybody has those, dude. Ultimately, that's kind of what a Mary Sue is. It's a power fantasy for a teenage girl. Because there are so few stories that center teenage girls, and even mainstream fiction that does center around teenage girls is constantly about how tortured and angsty and unpopular and unpowerful and unloved that teenage girl is. I mean, how, how therapeutic would it be to just read something as a little girl? Where the teenage girl character is like awesome and smart and funny and she has lots of adventures and everyone loves her and she's cool and nobody questions how good she is at stuff. It's something very appealing about that. I, I think what we're sort of coming down to here is that at the end of the day, write your Mary Sue. Mary Sues are fine to make. If you're doing it consciously, maybe use that as a learning tool to sort of figure out what makes a, a more well-rounded character that people will identify with more. If you're just writing out a power fantasy, that's totally cool too. Everyone makes them. Have fun. Write what you want. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't write what you want and have power fantasies like that. It just never hurts to be aware. Yeah, it just sort of depends what you're going into it wanting out of it, I think. If you're planning to be a professional writer, then learn to write well-rounded characters. If you're just writing fan fiction because you think it's fun slash funny, do what you want. Write whatever kind of f***ing character you want. Just write it, enjoy it, and, you know, if you need to, own up to it. Honestly, the most popular fanfics I've ever seen on platforms like Wattpad are blatant self-insert and Mary Sue fanfictions. Power fantasies speak to a lot of people. There's an audience for that. And it's kind of nice to put yourself in a world that makes sense and has a beginning and ending where you can even become a hero. We're not telling you not to write Mary Sues. Just to do it consciously and passionately. And also, love your Mary Sues. Love your first Mary Sue, baby. I love you, Saliana. A couple of years out, you may feel ashamed of your Mary Sue. I assure you that a couple of years out from that, you will love your Mary Sue. Aw, good old Ezra. She was like six dragons. I delight in looking back in my history of blue-eyed Saliana and her riding green Gwyneth, and it delights me every time I think about it. Because, I mean, obviously, if you start talking about them with people, you'll find other people that also had Mary Sue's that were equally as ridiculous as yours. Don't feel ashamed, because the moment you start talking about your Mary Sue's, other people will start talking about their Mary Sue's, and it will become an incredible experience. It's all okay, guys. It's all okay. Because everybody writes Mary Sue's. One of these days, I'm going to commission a very serious, very skilled, realistic artist to draw Sally Anna, writer of Green Gwyneth. I'm going to present it to you in a frame. And I will hang it proudly. I want it to be a painting that you can hang over a mantle. And people will come in and be like, who's that? And I'll be like, that's Sally Anna, writer of Green Gwyneth. I love that the phrase writer of Green Gwyneth is impossible to say right on the first try. Like, did you do that on purpose? The dragons always have names that end with TH, but it couldn't be a canon dragon because otherwise McCaffrey would be mad. And hilariously, I gave her the name Gwyneth. And then like four years later, Todd McCaffrey published a book with the f***ing Gwyneth in it. And I was like, no, I'm not giving this up. This is mine. I had this first. It can be proved by the internet. You had dibs, goddammit. <laughs> okay, so we had an idea here, guys. In the spirit of creating a Mary Sue, we're going to make one. 
We're going to make one right now. Mackenzie found this amazing character questionnaire. It's like a hundred questions long. Part one of this is we need to come up with a quote that fits our Sue. Freedom is the right of all sentient beings. Freedom is the right of all sentient beings. Optimus Prime. Personal characteristics. Birthday. Hold on a moment. Let me pull up astrological signs and their meanings. Obviously, we need it to mean something. Well, I don't know anything about astrology, but I do know that my favorite drag queen constantly says, I'm a Libra, so I think she should be a Libra. Okay, so a Libra is between September 23rd and October 22nd, and they're all about balance, justice, equanimity, and stability. They surround themselves with harmony and beauty. I think it's perfect. Yes. Let's go with September 31st, because it doesn't actually exist. It's a special birthday that only happens uh, when all of the planets align and the moon is full and blood red. Second question, birth name. What name did your character's parents give them at birth before they changed their name? Because obviously she changed her name. Bob. Maybe it's Robert. Maybe it's Roberta. Birthplace. Dildo Newfoundland. All right. Here are some really exciting ones. Birth weight and birth length. I don't know anything about babies, but I feel like this should be a really long baby. Two and um, 87. No units. How big is your baby? Two. Manner of birth, which gives the example questions of how did their birth happen? Were they an accident? Did they kill their mother upon birth or did they come out upside down? Virgin birth. Virgin birth and killed mom. Cesarean section. Let's go for a hat trick. Yes. So can you truly say they were born? What were their first words? I forgive you, mother. I'm imagining this said right as she's being pulled out of the womb. Earliest memory. Of being pulled out of the womb and saying, I forgive you, mother. Or do we want to go prenatal? No, let's go with that. Let's go with that. The last warmth and comfort that she ever had was in the womb. Fondest memory. Dare we? Dare we say being pulled out of the womb and saying, I forgive you, mother. Worst memory. (laughs) (laughs) This is already the best thing we've ever done on this show. Favorite dream she has ever had. She and her mother go and have a regular day about dildo. They hold hands, they get ice cream, and at the end, her mother reads her a story and tucks her into bed, kisses her on the forehead, and says, I forgive you too. Worst nightmare. Same dream, but at the end, she doesn't say, I forgive you too. And then a sinister figure appears from the horizon and says, it is your destiny to die by my hand! IQ. Uh, Obviously super high. Yeah, like ridiculously high. 200 something. Did we just want to write super high? Known languages. Let's go with English, French because it's fancy, Latin because it's old and therefore means you're smart. The language of the Sylvan folk and demonic. Maybe also goblin. I'm just kind of pulling from Pathfinder here. Yeah, and Esperanto, you know, for fun. What's your character obsessed with? Helping others. Phobias. Not helping others enough. Fear of clowns. Temperament. She's got to have a fiery temper. Compassionate. Compassionate, loving, but with a huge temper. Naturally, of course. But that only ever results in her, like, yelling at bad guys and never actually hurting anyone she cares about. Yeah, she never hurts anybody she cares about or anyone who doesn't deserve it. Next is hobbies. Uh, let's do the thing of giving her all of our hobbies. Wait, but we're f***ing nerds. Yeah, but everybody loves her anyway. Role-playing, watching cartoons, watching the anime, going grocery store shopping. That's your hobby? I love grocery store shopping. I like the way you phrase that because it sounds like you're shopping for grocery stores. Uh, knitting. Playing video games and downloading mods for anime hair for them. That's real specific. I may have stayed up until 3 a.m. last night doing that for Skyrim. I think we need to have an entire episode where Mac just talks about her hobbies. Uh, reading about serial killers. Okay, we can't make them exactly like our hobbies. 
Definitely reading, though. They have to read. She has to be more special than other girls. Yeah, and she has to read things that she thinks are literary, but are not actually literary. Does she just read Romeo and Juliet over and over again? Oh, totally. Now we're getting to some weird stuff. Intellectual characteristics. Logical slash mathematical. How well can your character use reason and logic in their thinking? She's the smartest person in the world, but she also uses her feelings a lot. Also, she's bad at math. But in a cute way, so that boys can help her with it. Spatial. How well can your character create an image in her mind? Perfectly. Yes, she has photographic memory. 17 different mind castles. Bodily kinesthetic. How well does your character control their body motions? How well Falls does it down options? a lot. Constantly clumsy, falling down all the time. Except when it's important, in which case she has perfect poise and balance and grace. But only when no one's looking except her love interest, who truly understands her. Musical. How clear is your character's perceptions to sounds, music, tones, and rhythms? She can sing in a way that puts the birds to shame. But only when nobody's listening. And she plays girl instruments. So none of that brass shit, except the sousaphone. She plays a mean sousaphone, but mostly it's like flutes and harps. Uh, interpersonal. How well does your character interact with and understand others? Perfectly, of course. Naturally. Oh, but she's constantly saying the wrong thing. But it ends up being the right thing that they needed to hear. Intrapersonal. How well does your character understand herself? Uh, she doesn't understand how beautiful she is. She thinks she's an ugly and bad person. Who fails all the time, and it's so hard because she's not good for anybody, but everyone is always like, no, you're perfect. Naturalistic. How well does your character understand natural surroundings? Uh, we're talking Legolas level tracking here. In fact, she may have been trained by Legolas. Definitely was trained by Legolas. Existential. How well can your character understand phenomena or questions beyond sensory data? Yes. Philosophical questions. Morality. What divides your character's definition of good and bad? Uh, she has an innate sense of right and wrong and truly understands it. Oh, and she's constantly giving characters lectures about how their particular morality is wrong. Yes. And she's so good at it that by the end of any conversation, she can turn people to the side of good unless they're really, really bad guys. In which case, at the last minute, right before their death, they'll say, I truly understand now. Outlook on life. How does your character see life? Is it dismal? Happy or boring? Happy, of course. Oh, but they're so bored all the time until the adventure starts. I just wish they had a life of adventure. It's just so boring in Dildo Newfoundland. Perception. How do they perceive their situations? Optimistically? Pessimistically? Sadistically? Masochistically? Ideally? Realistically? I think there's too many adverbs in that sentence. You might answer by having them tell whether the glass is half empty or half full. She's sad, but she's an optimist. If I believe hard enough, the glass will be full. And then she does, and it is. Spiritual characteristics. Animal. What animal spiritually represents your character? I'd like to suggest that it is a dragon with tiger stripes, and it is a beautiful golden dragon that can breathe golden fire. Alternatively, we could go with, like, a really dumb animal, like a tapir. Ooh. Oh, she read about Ocopies in, like, high school. Yeah, it's an Ocopy. Because she's a misfit, too. Wait, what about a Pudu? Is that the tiny deer? Yes. How is her religious devotion? Not religious, but spiritual. Uh, superstitions. Does your character have any superstitions? I want her to be like hella superstitious. Like, you know, throw salt over her shoulder when it gets spilled. Superstitious. And she also has a lucky set of earrings that she always has to wear to make things go right. Well, she has a lucky pair of earrings that are from her mother. Yeah, of course. Oh, here we go. Virtues. Does your character exhibit chastity, charity, temperance, diligence, humility, kindness, patience, or justice? Yes, 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 and yes. Vices. Does your character exhibit lust, greed, gluttony, sloth, pride, envy, wrath, or despair? 
Nope, 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 nope. Maybe despair sometimes when things seem darkest, but then she finds the light inside herself and hears her mother's voice. What is her species? Half elf. Half dragon. Yes, but also partially human. And also angel wings. Angel wings that can become dragon wings. Her height? She is either very tall or very short. Incredibly short. Does she have any scars? A single one that only adds to her mystique, but it doesn't detract from her beauty. And she never talks about it. Probably because she got it from the toaster or something. Piercings. Yes. Well, she at least has those earrings, right? She has earrings and let's say that one tiny nose piercing off to the side. What's that called? Oh, uh, I can't remember. Does she have any tattoos? Yes, but they're magic tattoos and they can disappear when she wants them to. And they move. Yes. Hat size. Six and seven eighths. Shoe size. Like a children's five. Face shape. Round. No, heart shaped. Heart shaped is the one I always see. Hair color. Blonde with purple streaks. I kind of like silver with purple streaks too. Uh, It can be silvery in the right light. Hair length. Down to her butt. Long and lustrous. How are her eyebrows? One is really pencil thin and the other one's really bushy. No, no, no. We're making a Mary Sue. By really bushy, we mean slightly thicker than the other. Like we're talking like Cara Delevingne on one side and Spock on the other. I like it. I like it. I'm into it. Ear type. Elf ears, of course. Eye type. I don't know what this one means. I guess, oh, it could be like a wolf. Yes, she's got wolf eyes. Eye color. It's gotta be purple. Purple orbs. Though they flash into different colors when she's angry or sad. Oh, yeah. Like a storm. Nose shape. Petite and pointed and little rounded and it goes up. A nose collar? What? Is this like for wolves? Purple. How are her teeth? Straight and brilliantly white. But slightly pointed canines, which she's really self-conscious about. Does she have a tail? Yes. What is the tail's type? It's a dragon tail and she thinks it's ugly, but her boyfriend thinks it's beautiful. And it has like a little knife on the end. Does she ever wear makeup? No, but she's just naturally beautiful anyway. She always looks like she's put on natural makeup. Does she have any abnormalities? She has a birthmark. What is this birthmark? But something sufficiently twee. Birthmark in the shape of a heart? I was going to say in the shape of a bird if we're going twee. What's her blood type? O negative. Universal donor. How's her dexterity? Perfect. But she's clumsy. Yes. How's her posture? Uh, She slouches, but only because she doesn't know how beautiful she is. What is her sexual orientation? Pansexual, but in a way that means she doesn't actually have to write a romance scene between her and another girl. Ooh, I like it. That's mean. That's real mean. I see this a lot. Okay, does she have a sex life? It's like the kind of sex life that a Mass Effect protagonist has. A couple of meaningless fade to black encounters and then like one meaningful thing right before the final battle. Okay, uh, how is her voice? Sonorous. High and clear as a bell, but she's insecure about it. Okay. Who's her favorite actor? Who's the actor that all the teens like these days? Um, one of the Chris's in a Marvel thing? Tom Hiddleston. Favorite animal. We haven't mentioned wolves yet. There you go. Favorite art? Deviant art. Her favorite band? My Chemical Romance. Favorite book? Wuthering Heights. Oh shit, she fucking loves Heathcliff. Favorite color? Amethyst. Favorite excuse? I left my parrot in the oven. Favorite food? Baked ziti with salad. Favorite flavor? Umami. Uh, favorite movie? Um, Romeo plus Juliet, the Leonardo DiCaprio one. Favorite mythical creature? Dragon. Favorite number? 13. It's gotta be 13. Favorite people? Her kindly old neighbor who invites her over for tea and gives her mysterious advice. 
Favorite quote. Three can keep a secret if two of them are dead. Favorite restaurant. Has to be something boring like TGI Fridays. I want to say something like what a small child would think is classy, like Nobu or some shit. Favorite season. Ooh, I want to say fall. Uh, Favorite song. The Dead by My Chemical Romance. Which is the band that has I'm Not Okay? Oh, no, Simple Plans Untitled. Oh, shit, yeah, Simple Fucking Plan. Wait, Sugar Cult. Oh, Sugar Cult. Uh, Bouncing Off the Walls. No, Pretty Girl. Pretty Girl. Yes! Pretty Girl is suffering while he confesses everything. Yes! Uh, Favorite store, Hot Topic. Yes, clearly. Favorite story genre, romance, but she only likes the classical kind. Yeah, exactly. None of this modern trash. Uh, favorite subject in school? English. Because her English teacher is the only one who understands her. Favorite TV show? What are the teens into these days? Is it not supernatural anymore? House of Cards. Favorite word? Obsequious. Spumoni. Love. Schadenfreude. Friendship. Bees. Accessories. What kind of accessories does she wear? Those earrings we mentioned from her mommy. Fingerless gloves. A mysterious pendant. That she can't remove for some reason. And a magical bracelet that one of her lovers gave her before he died in a heroic way. And the hand of Vecna. What kind of clothes are in her wardrobe? Gothic fishnet. Yeah, and some big comfy sweaters. Yeah, and also like leather jackets that are really cool. And jeans with lots of holes. Uh, What is her most prized possession? The earrings that her mother gave her, of course. Does she ever use expletives? I want to say that she only uses minced oaths. Oh, crackers! Uh, Unless she's telling preps to STFU. Uh, in school, what was her average grade? A plus. Except for math, where she got a B minus. And she's very ashamed of it. See? She's a flawed character. Does she have any degrees? Uh, no, she's a teenager. That doesn't mean anything. She still has a PhD in medicine, but she's staying in high school so she can learn other things. I like it. Uh, what are her extracurricular activities? Uh, she takes a ballet, of course. Uh, she volunteers at the library. I want to say drama club. Also, she's part of band where she's the lead flute. And choir where she gets all the solos. But she's so unpopular. What's her family's wealth? She's poor in money, but not in heart. I was going to say she's an heiress, but she also has no contact with her mother's family at all. Oh, and she only gets the money when she turns 18. So she has to wait until then. And she's like poor, but not in a way that actually directly affects her life in any way. Aside from the fact that her dad can't buy her a new laptop. Who are her closest friends? Uh, well, she's got a gay friend and a black friend. Uh, she's also got like two or three handsome boys who follow around and who are her friend, but obviously want to bone her. But she just doesn't see it. Because she's in love with someone she can't have. And uh, because she's quote unquote pansexual, she has a lesbian friend who she sometimes will kind of look at, but she'll never get with because that would ruin the author's sense of state. Also, the lesbian is in love with her. And then the lesbian dies to protect her. Uh, who are her enemies? Uh, well, there's the popular girl in school. And a mysterious entity of darkness that tried to kill her in the womb. And sometimes appears in her dreams. It's secretly her actual dad. She wasn't actually a virgin birth. Does she have any pets? Yes, it's a little fire lizard that can turn into a full-grown dragon. And it's invisible sometimes. And it can speak to her telepathically. Uh, what is her signature combat move? Sweeping the leg. Flying clothesline. A Glasgow kiss. Uh, does she have any special powers? What doesn't she have? Anytime she finds herself on dire straits and she doesn't have a power to fix it, she manifests that power. Ooh, good. Where does she live? Like, what's her house like? 
She lives in a comfortable, very large apartment, like the kind that you always see in sitcoms where it's not really a big family, but they have like a loft and it's a huge like reclaimed factory that's really, really cool. And they talk about how cheap it is and on the small side for the town. Yeah. And how this is a really small apartment just for two people. Her and her neglectful dad. How is her sleep patterns? She sleeps deeply, except when she needs to wake in the middle of the night to stare at the moon and contemplate her dreams. Also, she randomly has nightmares that cause her to sit bolt upright in bed because that's a thing that actually happens. And gasp, like, <gasps> And somehow someone's in the corner watching her and ask her if she's okay. That's romantic. Uh, what's her Enneagram? Her what? Uh, or her like Myers-Briggs type. I don't know what those are, but I keep seeing INTJ a lot, so. Let's go for it. Desired voice actor if they were a cartoon. Uh, Rob Paulson. Oh, I was about to say Jennifer Hale. I was going to say Tara Strong. Rob Paulson. Great Delisle. Rob Paulson. <laughs> yeah, Rob Paulson. Arm length. Tiny. T-Rex arms. Arm, like, size, and they go like, does she have chubby arms? Do they have skinny arms? Slender and graceful. Slender and graceful T-Rex arms. A wrist size. Really big. Yeah, like, there's there's no wrist. It's just arm ends in hand. Uh, speaking of which, hand size. Also really big. Slender and graceful and huge. Finger length. Tiny little stubs. Finger width. Thick. Sausage. Fingernail type. Uh, really long drag queen nails. They can sharpen to points if she's thinking about it. Uh, leg length. Really long. Like 90% leg. Leg type. Digity grade, like werewolf legs. Leg weight. Really, really light. So they're really skinny legs. Bird bones. Ankle width. Cankles. Hip shape. Triangular? Existent? Shoulder width. Really broad shoulders. Uh, chest width. Massive and heaving. Breast size. Heaving! <laughs> Bra size. Uh, what's something suitably unrealistic? Uh, 32 triple F. But they're not the kind that hurt her back at all? No, they're very perky. Stomach shape. Dodecahedron. What's the most weight she can carry? W how much can a wizard take? Like, like 20 pounds? 20 pounds sounds about right. Does she have any turn-ons? Kindness. And bad boys. These are not mutually exclusive. Now, does she have any turn-offs? Evil. Who was her first love? A kind bad boy who turned out to be working for the bad guy. And he died trying to protect her at the last moment. Uh, what is her marital status? Engaged to a far-off king she's never met, but he's going to turn out to be super nice and heavenly, and uh, also a bad boy. I'd like to imagine it's kind of like those 90s Meg Ryan movies, where the person that she's engaged to is perfectly lovely, but then they just sort of break up so she can get with somebody else. He just sort of fades into the background. He doesn't get another love interest, he just kind of goes away. And he's okay with it. Yeah, because he just wants her to be happy. Flaws. She's clumsy. But only sometimes. Inspiration. Are they based on anybody in real life like Johnny Appleseed? What? <laughs> Johnny Appleseed? What Mormon wrote this? I don't know. That's what it says. Oh, wait. I get it. I get it. They're saying because Johnny Appleseed was based on the real life person, John Chapman. It's the other way around. Uh, okay. I was like, I don't know why they wrote this. Well, they're definitely not based on me. Definitely not any of us. What's her persona? How does she act to hide her real self? Oh, she's tortured, but she acts cheerful all the time. Also, when she travels to persona, her persona is a beautiful angel and also Mara the Dick Chariot. Do I want to know what Mara the Dick Chariot is? I just described it for you. It's a persona from Shin Megami Tensei. Okay, 
So now we gotta name this and give it a theme song. Okay, let's see. Names that mean perfect. Annie has suggested Sephirathus Rosemont St. Michelle. <laughs> I'm in. I think it's incredible. Okay, so what is Sephirathus Rose's theme song? Cadillac of the Skies. Horse with no name. Oh, House of the Rising Sun. I like it. Audience, if any of you would like to draw Sephirathus Rosemont St. Michelle, good fucking luck. This is our new Mary Sue. She's the new mascot for I Will Fight You. Sephirathus Rosemont St. Michelle. Now, Sephirathus Rosemont St. Michelle's adventures. We've talked about her being the Ursu. I see her traveling to all different realities and falling in love with all different characters. And then, uh, and then after she defeats the bad guy, she moves on, leaving a string of beautiful boyfriends in her wake. And maybe some girls that are in love with her, but she just doesn't feel that way about them. I just want to, like, give her a lunch and push her out the door and let her go around breaking people's hearts and falling down sometimes with being a beautiful dancer. Original character, please don't steal. She's probably also got a wolf form, like a sparkle wolf. Definitely, almost definitely. This is a good way to waste our morning. I don't consider this a morning wasted. Well, now that our beautiful daughter is out there in the wild, existent, let's do our final facts. Kit, what's your final fact about Mary Sue? I would say the point of... Fan fiction is to have fun. And as long as you're having fun, do what you want. Write your Mary Sues. Mac, what's your final fact? Dragons are boners for girls. Mine would be, be as embarrassed as you want by your former creations, but also recognize the love that you put into them and return that love in kind. Even if they're a Digimon original character. That turns into a fandom quantum leap character. Especially if that's the case. You spent a lot of time and love on those things. And just because it came out with something really dumb, it doesn't invalidate that love. All right, I think that's about going to wrap us up today for our Mary Sue's discussion. Remember, everyone, everyone has Mary Sue's. We have another one now. Join us next time when our next Stone Cold Fact, coming right around the spooky time of Halloween, is going to be Indie Horror is Sick and Grave Encounters is the Symptom. I've never seen Grave Encounters, and I probably will not have seen it by the time we record that episode. This should be good. Should be entertaining. I Will Fight You comes about every six weeks or so. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and YouTube. Uh, we appear more regularly over at The Gem Jam, a podcast where we do a uh, episode episode recap of the 1980s cartoon Gem and the Holograms. You can also talk to us on Twitter and Tumblr at The Gem Jam. On Twitter, we are at Gem Jam Cast. You can find us just about anywhere by Googling that. If you would like to support us, a like, review, subscribe for any of our podcasts, wherever you find them, is super helpful, especially on iTunes. It helps our metrics a lot. They don't give us any information on the back end. No. The best result we can see is, hey, people liked the thing. Maybe we'll show other stuff the thing. That's pretty much the most they give us. iTunes, get your shit together. Please don't take us off of iTunes. If you have some money sitting around, uh, you can contribute to our Patreon. We are at patreon.com slash thegemjam. And it is, in fact, because of Patreon that we have I Will Fight You at all. Thank you very much for your generous support. And we're finally at the level where we can start doing our dating sims soon. We're going to start doing dating sim Let's Plays. So far, we have decided the series will be called Date Me, Damn It. Very excited about Date Me, Damn It. Okay, until next time, dear listeners, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And we have fought you.